the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Only two weeks left in the 2017 NFL season. Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen here bringing you another installment of the official Jets podcast game preview this Sunday, EA Jets Chargers. But let's talk about last Sunday for a moment. The Jets fall in the Big Easy, but great effort down there. Great effort, great fight. This is something we've seen from uh, Todd Bowles' club throughout the 2017 season. I think that a lot of people were wondering after the Jets went to Denver and were shut out 23 to nothing in a one-sided affair, were the wheels about to fall off? And no, they weren't because Todd Bowles said all week, I got confidence in my guys. We're going to go out there and we're going down there to get a victory. And indeed, the Jets had an opportunity to secure a victory, but that's a tough place to win. That is a very good football team. That is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and ultimately, they fell short. Outside of Weeks 2 and 14 against the Denver Broncos and the Buffalo Bills in Week 2, the Jets have lost by an average of seven points per game. So going one, back one to possess- your point. One possession yeah. games, right? So, so you're five and nine, and then you, and we're going to look back at the season in a couple weeks on this podcast, and we're going to say the Jets very easily could yep. have been maybe nine and seven or eight and eight or whatever. But with all that being said, I think there is a confidence building within the locker room after the game. You could feel it. You could sense it. You could hear it. Jermaine Kearse said something that I'm always going to come back to, though. He said, We won five games. We surpassed your guys' expectations of going And I think the biggest thing is for us to not get fooled by that. You know? So, like, we got our standard and expectations got to be higher. And we got to hold ourselves to that expectation and standard. But when you look at game film on Monday, and you watch the Jets play the Saints, you say there were a lot of good things that happened in this game. And you can immediately point to the three turnovers on defense. Leonard Williams recorded his first career interception. Back to throws, Drew Brees under pressure. Hit as he throws over the middle, and it's intercepted. Picked off Leonard Williams. Against Drew Brees, Jamal Adams with a forced fumble. Brees stops the throw, looks right, throws right, Coleman makes the catch after 10. Pops out. Jamal Adams forced the fumble. Now oh, the Jets have the ball. Recovered by Jordan Jenkins and Buster Screen with another forced fumble, and he recovered that. Well, let's not bury the lead here. Let's talk about Bryce Petty for a moment because this was his first start of the 2017 season, his fifth career start. How do you think he fared, and what do you see out of him from a growth perspective from last year to this year? I think it's tough to say what did you see from him as far as a growth perspective, because it's been such a small sample size, one game. And a tough place to play. Yeah, a tough place to play. And I think he did some good things. I think he missed some passes that he would like to have back. He's said that. I think he talks about footwork and at times that, hey, there are certain throws that I have to be on the money with 100% of the time. And he missed a few of those. He did make a couple beautiful throws 
play down the sideline to Eli McGuire. Back to throw is Bryce Petty. Looks right. Throws a bomb down the right sideline for McGuire. He's got it inside the 15. Bryce Petty throws it right down the chimney. Then late in the game, the throw to Chad Hansen. Petty back to throw. Pumps once. Looks left. Throws down the sideline for Hansen. And somehow he made the catch. What a catch by the rookie Chad Hansen. So there were times where Bryce flashed. Uh, there were other times where you would say, oh, he's struggling a little bit. I, I think it's hard to evaluate Bryce and make a definitive judgment on what he is yep. or what he isn't based on one game, Greens. What I liked from Bryce Petty, and he said this, is that he felt a lot more confident. And I thought you could see that watching him Sunday. I, In particular, I think about his first down scramble for 13 yards. Back to throw is Bryce Petty. Steps up in the pocket. He'll take off and run. He's got the first down and more to the 40, to the 45, 50. And the Jets have a first down. When he felt a little bit of pressure, he stepped up and out of the pocket, and he took off. And that was decisive on his part. And last year, something that I took away is he, he tended to almost pump fake and second-guess himself, and I think he would tell you the same thing. So I liked seeing that. And then moving forward now, he ate a Sunday, is what are you expecting from him now that he has a week under his belt? I think it will be better against the Chargers. I think the Jets will be better this week, and, and I thought they played pretty well in New Orleans. They have proven to be a better home team this season. There's no doubt about it. You just look at the records. The Jets are 4-3 and three at MetLife Stadium and they're now 1-6 and six on the road. I think that the Jets will open up the playbook a little bit. The other thing that Bryce has to do, Bryce Petty has to do this week, is that he can't get so many balls batted down at the line. Cameron yep. Jordan had, and he's a great player, but he had... Yeah, he had four PDs. Four PDs. And you think of the one on the two-point conversion, that really squandered an opportunity. So you have to make sure the throwing lane is there. Mm -hmm. While the Saints had one guy where you're like, wow, he's really a disruptor off the edge, the Chargers have two. They got Joey Bosa, nonstop motor, a physical freak, and then Melvin Ingram's not bad in his own right. So the Jets tackles have a big time assignment this week. But I think there's going to be a time this week that Petty will have an opportunity to get the ball down the field to Robbie Anderson. 12 mm -hmm. targets, just five catches against the Saints. I would not be surprised if they hit on a long one this week. And stepping back to last preseason, Petty and Anderson have got a good, great, yeah, rapport. They great rapport. Good and chemistry, yep. Anderson led the NFL in preseason yards prim primarily with Petty throwing him the rock. Yep. And then when Petty... First started in week 10 last season, he, Robbie Anderson had that 52-yard reception up the sideline. So we'll have to see what happens in Bryce Petty's first home start. Since we're talking a lot about Bryce Petty here on the official Jets podcast game preview, Chad Pennington, it is time to bring you in. What did you think about Petty's first start of 2017, the fifth start of his career? Well, Eric, I thought it was kind of difficult to um, evaluate. I, I just... When I look at the performance, I do see some opportunities there for the Jets to really make um, some hay and do some damage there at 17-13 ball game. You have two uncharacteristic Saints turnovers, and the offense was able to produce points in that time period, and that, to me, was the difference in the ball game. And you know, when I watch Bryce play, I see some good things. One thing I'm still concerned about is just the accuracy, uh, being able to hit those easy ones. There's probably four or five easy passes to make easy completions that some of them ha actually happen on first down it creates easier second and third down opportunities 
uh, keeps drives alive, just kind of makes things a little bit smoother. And when you're unable to make those, it makes it so difficult. Uh, you do see Bryce make some good throws down the field, some accurate throws down the field, players making plays down the field. But those are sporadic uh, when you don't hit your gimmies. you got to be able to be 100% on your gimmies, which then make those bigger plays down the field much more meaningful and impactful. Bryce talked about improving his footwork for this weekend's matchup against the Chargers. What did you see out of his footwork, and what is the importance of footwork, especially on game day? Well, the most important aspect of your footwork is timing. A quarterback must listen to his feet, which allows him to move through his progression and doesn't keep him on a receiver too long or get off of a receiver too quickly. And so when I think about footwork, I think about a quarterback being able to listen to their feet, move through their progressions efficiently, and being able to deliver the football. And I can see exactly what Bryce is saying as far as footwork. Sometimes his footwork is telling him to move off of it, uh, and he's getting to his next progression a little bit late because he's not allowing his feet to work for him. That That's a struggle for him because typically in a system like uh, he played uh, in Baylor, you know, footwork's really not that important in my opinion. And, and so when you get into the NFL, footwork is extremely important because of the pass rush, because of the windows closing down so quickly, your feet really help you out in your decision-making. Do you anticipate a better performance this week? Now we have his second full week of practice, getting the reps, having that continual communication with John Morton and Jeremy Bates and other weeks to go through the game plan. Now he gets an opportunity to play at home. The Jets throughout the year, as you know, Chad, have played very well at MetLife Stadium. First of all, I would hope that uh, – team would come out with energy. I felt like they came out with really good energy um, against the Saints and, and played some solid football. Uh, certainly wasn't a team that was looking to pack it in or anything like that. And You hope that the team does the same thing this week, uh, facing a Chargers team that does have playoff hopes. And this is a, another good measuring stick game uh, for the Jets and, and for Bryson to be able to make some improvement in a lot of different areas, being at home. Uh, certainly helps, and you would hope to see some improvement and really see a Jets team kind of take control of a ball game. What do you think of the Jets' defensive efforts down in the Big Easy? Because coming into Sunday's game, the Saints were tied for fourth in giveaways. Drew Brees only had six interceptions on the year, and the Jets' defense forced three takeaways. Well, I thought it was a a winnable performance. I wouldn't call it a win performance because it wasn't. Uh, giving up 31, of course, the last touchdown you could say didn't count, but it was a winnable performance, meaning that they performed well enough to give the Jets a chance to win. And I felt like the offense didn't complement those three turnovers and been able to turn those into points, especially there in the third quarter. That was the chance for the Jets to really put the Saints on their heels, make them nervous. Uh, and they just weren't able to do that. And so that, that was disappointing. Um, I still think that there are some mistakes being made that are allowing some plays that should be just some screens and things like that that may be seven, eight-yard gains turn into big gains. And so that's that's something that has to be cleaned up. But there's still some really good things happening. I thought Leonard Williams' play was unbelievable. What a great athletic play. He just continues to show his worth uh, game after game. Safeties are very aggressive in run support and making really good plays there. And so uh, as far as the team defensive effort, uh, they certainly did some things to keep the Jets in the ball game and, 
and allow this game to go into the fourth quarter with a chance to win. Wanted to get your thoughts on Todd Bowles here. He said after the game that we're going to keep fighting. Obviously, this is going to turn. I believe we have a good core group. We just got to eliminate some of the mistakes and some of the situational football things, and we're going to be okay. With that being said, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Also, the Jets waving Jeremy Curley. He was suspended for four games, eligible to come off suspension. They're getting some more playing time for Chad Hansen and our Darius Stewart. And then finally, Muhammad Wilkerson did not make the trip to New Orleans with the team. Todd Bowles said... Uh, we're dealing with that as an internal matter, and I can let you know later on. So... Uh, a, a few things, all involving uh, Coach Bowles and what he's trying to establish here with the culture. Well, I think as a Jet fan, I think you have to respect how Coach Bowles conducts his business internally, externally, on the field. He is extremely consistent. And I think when you're looking at an organization, and you're looking for stability and long-term success, that's what you're looking for in a head coach. He's not going to ride an emotional roller coaster. And it's very easy to do that in this market, and he has resisted that. And so I respect him for that. Um, you know, the NFL, like Coach Parcells used to say, is a train that keeps moving, and you're either on it or you're off of it. And so when it comes to players like Wilkerson, when it comes to players like Curley, if you're not handling your business off the field, this train is leaving. Uh, that's how professional sports works, especially in the NFL. But I, I, when I look at Coach Bowles and what he's been able to do, I look at the first two years of his three-year stint uh, where the Jets were able to win ten games and then that second year just kind of blew up. He did what he needed to do. The organization did what they needed to do as far as push the reset button um, and revamp this roster. And so when I look at it, I look at this as really year one for Coach Bowles and rebuilding this team and creating a playoff contender. Uh, I don't really look at this year as combining it with the first two years. I push the reset button and see where the, the team is, the organization is, and I think it's on an upward trend. And uh, I feel really good about where Coach Bowles is, where, what he's done, how this team is playing, how they respond to him, uh, the pieces that he has in place with his staff, as well as the pieces that are in place uh, with the team. Um, and it's not based upon setting low expectations. I don't look at it and go, well, they were expected only to win one or two games and they beat them. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the work that's been put in, the games that have been played, the effort that's there, and, and you look at the, the plays that have been made. And so I, that's what I believe. How do you expect this team to rebound this weekend against a Los Angeles Chargers team that's coming cross-country in Week 16? And how do you go about attacking these guys? Well, I think the Chargers have always uh, struggled on the East Coast, um, and I think this is a winnable game. Focus on Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen. Rivers had a you know struggled last week in three interceptions against the Chiefs. Um, you would like to see the Jets be able to create a couple more turnovers. They did a good job of that against the Saints. If they can do that, they certainly have a chance to win this oh, ball game. And finally, Chad, I talked to Todd Bowles about it this week, and he said Philip Rivers, one of the smartest competitors I face from a defensive play calling standpoint himself and Casey Rogers. What do you like most about Rivers and what can the Jets take advantage of specifically with his aggressiveness at times? Well what I've always liked about Rivers number one is he's always been able to 
succeed and be successful with an unorthodox type of throwing motion and a throwing motion people said he couldn't be successful with. He's always been Philip Rivers, and he's never changed. And that, to me, I respect that. Secondly, I really respect his toughness. He is a guy that's going to stand in that pocket, and regardless of what is in front of his face, he has the ability to make throws all over the field with uh, under a lot of duress and pressure. And so it's one thing to get to a guy, but when you're going trying to get to a guy that's that tough, uh, he can make you pay. And so the Jets are going to have to be judicious on how they defend Rivers and this Chargers offense because he does a really good job under pressure. He throws with anticipation. He throws with timing. Uh, he's, he's a passer. He's a true passer, and he's, that's why he's had such a great career. So it's, it's a big-time challenge for this young defense. Merry Christmas to you and your family. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, Eric. Thank you, guys. Greens, it's always good getting a quarterback's perspective on the play of a quarterback. So uh, Pennington has emphasized this continually, is that you got to make the passes that are considered gimmies in the yep. National Football League. Let's see if Petty can do this this week against the Chargers. EA and the Chargers aren't really known for their secondary. You mentioned it before, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa lead the way up front. And... Last week, when the Chargers traveled to Arrowhead Stadium, the Chiefs really utilized their ground game with Kareem Hunt, who rushed for 155 yards. And we saw the Jets try to establish the run and have success on the ground early in New Orleans. That, well, that touchdown drive in the first half was yep. a great drive. Is that you had the stats on that. Twelve uh, plays, ten of which were rushes. Right. And then Bilal Powell got the two-yard touchdown after that. That was a tough touchdown run. Focusing on the Chargers now for a second is... Earlier, when we talked about the Chiefs on the official Jets podcast game preview, they were really hot, then really cold. The Chargers are quite the opposite. They were really cold, 0-4, relocation to Los Angeles, new head coach, and then they were one of the hottest teams in football. And right now, they've gone from 0-4 to 7-7, and and that offense runs through Phillip Rivers and Keenan Allen. Time to hit the phones. Hello? Nick, hi, it's Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen with the Jets. How's it going? Great. How are you guys? Good, thank you. Nick Hardwick, you can follow him on Twitter at Hardwinna, or if you want to pronounce it Hardwinna, you can do either or. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, right on, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So can you just kind of take us through the ebbs and flows of this Los Angeles Chargers season? Yeah, absolutely. It was a wild start to the season. First off, with the relocation, having a new head coach, having a Defensive coordinator change, a lot of staff changes, getting comfortable in a new city, guys relocating, new training camp location, all of it. Amidst all of that, the team got off to a very rocky start, going 0-4 to start it off. And then they got on the road and went to New York and had a fourth quarter come from behind victory over another 0-4 football team, the New York Giants, and that really started turning the season around, went on to beat the Raiders and the Broncos before losing the Pats, and at the beginning of the season, you've got head coach Anthony Lynn coming in. He came from Buffalo. They had the number one rush attack in the National Football League with LaShawn McCoy, and you can tell right away that he was trying to impose that offense onto the Chargers. Ken Wisenhunt, offensive coordinator, Phillip Rivers, and he wanted it to be a run-first offense. And you could tell first, second down, they were running the football. At one point in the season, it was like 70% of their first down plays were runs, 
and then it would put the team behind the sticks because everybody seemed to know. They said, all right, if we're going to do this, we've got to give the keys of the car back to Phillip Rivers. Keenan Allen finally appeared healthy for the first time all season, and he became virtually unstoppable. Over a four-game span, Keenan had 39 catches, 547 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, he was remarkable in that time period. And they figured out that it needs to be a pass-first offense if they're going to have any success. The defense started finding themselves. Gus Bradley came in, new defensive coordinator, former coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But last week they kind of fell on their faces in a playoff-like game at Arrowhead Saturday night. And it was a real disappointing loss for the guys. They looked young. They looked nervous for the first time in a long time. In a game that had a lot riding on it, they failed to show up completely. Nick, what can you say about the job that Anthony Lynn has done there this year? An assistant here under Rex Ryan, running backs coach, very well-liked within the organization, and he was very successful for Rex as an offensive coordinator with the Bills. How has he been able to keep the ship afloat? The thing that Anthony Lynn has done so well to me is he stayed true to himself. He's unabashed about his comments towards the guys. He's very direct, not afraid to say what he thinks, and he's very even-keeled. And when you're even-keeled, you have a good chance to get through those downtimes. What I want to know is how does Anthony Lynn prevent this loss becoming two losses or three losses? How much did it take out of this team? How do they prevent that moving forward as they go and play a Jets team who has played well at home so far this year. Yeah, exactly. They have, and that's what Anthony Lynn, I've asked him before about trap games, got done beating the Dallas Cowboys and had the Cleveland Browns the next week, and I said, Coach, is there potential for a trap game? And he laughed at me right in my face on the post-game interview, and he goes, Nick, we're 5-6. and six. We don't have time for a trap game. He's like, we're still trying to prove that we're a good football team. I do believe their confidence was maybe shaken a touch last week against Kansas City because they were the betting favorite. They were one of the darlings as you're working later into the season. You could hear the national conversation going, this Chargers team, they've got a chance to beat Pittsburgh. Look out, New England. This team's hot. they got a good D. they got a great quarterback. And then they fell on their faces, and they've got to regain that confidence. I don't at all believe this will be a trap game. I think the playoff implications are still on the line for them. It's a very clear picture as to what has to happen for the Chargers to make the playoffs. On the defensive side of the ball, Nick, what kind of changes has Gus Bradley installed in his first year? And up front, Joey Bosa had a tremendous rookie season. What have you seen from him in his progressions in year two? Bosa's a monster. He's an absolute freak show of a human as far as the way he's put together. I described him before as the moose, and we say the moose is loose when he gets going. His techniques are derived on what the offensive linemen, their techniques are, how they plan to attack you. He's not flashy. He's not jump around. He is going to bull rush you and use his hands so effectively to capture the edge. And the thing about him is he's got as much talent as anybody in the league but he hustles as much as anybody in the league. And that's how you take talent and take it to an elite level. And that's what Joey Bosa has been able to do. Jets moved the ball pretty well on the ground against the New Orleans Saints. Ran a lot of 12 personnel packages with two tight ends. Brought in an extra lineman. 
and said, uh, we're going to come right at you. New Orleans played a lot of coverage trying to take away Bryce Petty, going deep to guys like Robbie Anderson. But do you think potentially the Jets could have some success running the football against the Chargers team, who at times has been suspect against the run? Oh, I would absolutely expect that. Yeah, Chargers coming into this contest are going to be 29th in the league in rushing yards allowed. So if I'm the Jets, the thing I would absolutely look to do is bring in 12 personnel, bring in big packages, and try to run it down their throat. And while you're doing that, if you could be on the field, you can wear them down. You're also keeping Phillip Rivers off of the field, which is a pretty good tool to use. I want to know about Keenan Allen and the weapons around him because Keenan Allen is a guy that's been often injured, and then this season he breaks out. If Keenan Allen's having a successful day, it's very difficult to slow the Chargers down. If he's able to be contained, which he was last week, he was contained against the Kansas City Chiefs, then you got a good chance to slow the other guys down, the, the Tyrell Williams, the Travis Benjamin. You would think Travis, with his small stature, would be a possession receiver, but he's anything but a possession receiver. He's a deep threat. He's a vertical guy. He's take the lid off the defense. And Tyrell Williams is kind of a long-striding receiver, incredibly fast when he gets in the open field. He's good on crossing routes both shallow and deep, but those two, both of them, aren't really guys that beat man press. Huh. Keenan's the man press beater. So if teams want to beat the Chargers, I think what, what happened last week is Bob Sutton, defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, they like to play a two-man look with two deep safeties and press across the board, get a chance to go either inside out with coverage on Keenan and sometimes put three on him. And make the other guys beat man press because they're not very good at it, to be honest. All right, so we've got to ask one question about Phillip Rivers. What's different about the ultra-competitive Rivers here as he continues to be so productive late in his career, and it doesn't get any easier for the Jets over this final three-game stretch. They just finished up with Drew Brees, and oh, no, here they go. they got to deal with Phillip Rivers, and then they finish up the season with a guy in New England by the name of Tom Brady. <laughs> right, yeah, good luck with those quarterbacks there. Phillip Rivers, the difference to me this year when he's having success is that he's being patient. I only have to preface that with having success because last week got intercepted three times and two of them were in the attempt to make a comeback and he's a guy who's going to go down swinging. He doesn't really care so much about his statistics. But the thing about him when he was having success and you were starting to hear his name come into the MVP conversation, is that he's been patient, and he's picked his spots, and he's really just dictated to the defense that I'm going to make the completion or you're not going to get the ball. He's been very mindful of taking care of the ball. Lost that patience last week because it kind of turned into a shootout with the Kansas City Chiefs. But why he's able to be patient is because his defense has been so strong today. They had, going into the Kansas City Chiefs game, they had the number two scoring defense in the National Football League. And that has allowed him to trust them. And he doesn't feel like he needs to go out and put seven points on the board every single time the offense takes the field, which when you're running that engine that hot, eventually something's going to break down. And so now he's able to just kind of pick his spots to burst off from the stoplight, if you will. But most of the time he's just driving that F-250 down the road kind of at a casual pace, listening to some country music and taking it all in. and. When he's in command, that's kind of what he's doing. 
All right, that's Nick Hardwick, a former San Diego Charger, now covering the Los Angeles Chargers. You can follow him on Twitter at Hardwinna or HardwinA, that's with one N. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you Sunday. All right, thank you so much, guys. All right, EA, a couple things stick out to me, but I want to touch on what Nick Hardwick had to say about the receivers opposite Keenan Allen, and we talked about it a little bit. But outside of Keenan Allen, that's what the Chiefs did. They kind of took him out of the game, and then they said, hey, Phil, throw to the other guys, and they couldn't climb over that hump. They called him Phil? No, Philly. Maybe Phil, maybe Philly. P. Ribs? P. Ribs, whatever you want to call him. But Except you have to remember this is that Mike Williams, the Clemson wide receiver from last year, he's been hurt almost all year, so he hasn't really seen a lot of the field. Maybe he's that piece that the Chargers are missing. Yeah, maybe, but he, he won't. Well, be, we won't know. He, he won't be playing on Sunday. <laughs> we'll have to see how that progresses for the Chargers. They're a dangerous team, but again, as Nick Hardwick said, uh, Anthony Lynn has done a tremendous job because a lot of teams would have folded their tents after starting zero and four after having uh, been forced to move yep. their tents up north in Southern California from San Diego to LA, going to a new headquarters, playing in a new stadium that seats under 30,000 people where a lot of times it looked like the environment was a practical road game for the Chargers, but they rebounded, they rallied, and here they are still in a position to compete for a playoff berth, but this is definitely going to be a big-time test for their medal and their character. Where do you think the Jets go from a game plan perspective to attack this Chargers defense and vice versa? How do you expect the Jets to attack Phil Rivers? Well, I, I think you want Patty to get in some rhythm early. I think you want to have some success on first and second down. That's one area. The other thing is you got to make sure those defensive ends don't get off. I think balance is going to be the key for the Jets' offense. I think the running backs could have a big day against the Chargers. Switch over to the defensive side of the ball. I think you got to take away Gordon. you got to take away Keenan Allen. Make other guys beat you on that team. And that's all we have on the official Jets podcast game preview. Again, Jets Chargers this Sunday, Christmas Eve day. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And almost a happy new year. We'll wait to wish you that, though, until the final regular season game preview on the official Jets podcast. For Eric Allen, I'm Ethan Greenberg.